Hi, this is Kensley. And I am by myself this morning for a little bit of a frustrating reason. Alyssa and I recorded this whole episode last night. And for some reason, it totally deleted off of my computer. I can't recover it anywhere. So there's a whole episode out there floating in the cloud that I can't retrieve. So I am re-recording it for you guys. But this is episode two of our Lori Vallow Spotlight series. When we had last left off, Alex had made a 911 call stating that he had shot his brother, Charles, or brother-in-law, Charles, in self-defense. You're listening to The Ugly Truth. continues conversing with the 911 operator who begins instructing him on how to do CPR. But unfortunately at this point, Charles is already unresponsive. Police arrive shortly after the call is made and Alex exits the home with his hands raised saying that no one besides Charles is in the house. Police enter the home to search for evidence. The firearm was found in the living room and there were four shots confirmed to have been fired. When police exit the home, they are seen on body cam footage approaching Alex and saying, quote, what happened today? How did we get to this? Justin Lum, an investigative reporter, was put on this case, and he claimed that he didn't find it super interesting at the start, but he had no idea what a shooting would turn into. But why did Alex shoot Charles? Well, he told police Charles came to the home to pick up his son, but Charles and Alex got into a heated argument about Lori. Charles supposedly became physical with Lori, so Tylee came out with a bat to defend her mom, but Charles took the bat and hit Alex in the back of the head with it. Alex then claims that he and Charles continued arguing in another room where Charles came at him again with the bat. This is when Alex shot Charles to stop him. When questioned by the police, Alex said the gun was one he always had on him. He had a concealed carry license and he never went anywhere without the gun. Sorry guys, if you hear any background noise, I just got a kitten and she's like clawing at some stuff at the moment. Anyways, soon after all of the chaos, Lori arrives back at the home with Tylee. Lori had left to drop JJ off at school and took Tylee with her, and then she came back and was with Tylee. And Lori was also questioned by the police, but in interviews, she never once asked if her husband was okay. She is seen cracking jokes and answering the questions very nonchalantly, which was a red flag right away for detectives. Lori's story was that she found Charles's phone in his car, and she found something she didn't quite like on it. This caused an argument to start with Lori and Charles, which caused Alex to enter into the argument, which led to Tylee getting the bat to try and separate everyone. And just to clarify, Tylee was not swinging the bat. She said that she just walked out with a bat and kind of put it in between Alex and Charles as a way to separate them. 
like kind of holding each end of the bat at each of their chests just to keep them away from each other. But after interviewing all three of the people involved, Alex was let go and everyone believed it was a self-defense shooting. But eventually, detectives learned that Alex didn't call 911 for almost an hour after shooting Charles. They also learned that Alex never really tried to perform CPR on Charles. He never tried to do any sort of life-saving measures. When the autopsy was released, it revealed that Charles was shot a second time while laying on the ground. This is obviously an aspect of this shooting that doesn't align with a self-defense claim. And shortly after Charles was killed, Lori called Colby, which is her older son, to tell him that Charles had died of a heart attack, which we know he did not. And in an interview with Kelsey Ryan, Colby's wife, she said, quote, I remember when Colby told me what happened. I called my mom and told her and remember saying, this doesn't feel right, end quote. Colby decided to visit his mom and siblings to mourn with them after Charles's death. Colby said that the feeling in that house was one he'll never forget. He was greeted at the door by Tylee, who began crying and just fell into Colby. Colby began asking her questions, so he pulled Tylee outside and asked her what happened. Tylee's response was, quote, Al and Charles got into a fight and Al shot him, end quote. When Alex was asked the same question by Colby, Alex said, quote, he hit me with a bat, so I shot him twice, end quote. So this is where Colby realizes that Lori's heart attack story was a complete lie. And later that same day, Lori also contacted Charles's sons, and they're all a little bit older. They don't live at home. And she contacts them in a group chat text. And the text read, quote, Hi, boys. I have very sad news. Your father passed away yesterday. I'm making arrangements, and I'll keep you informed with what's going on. I'm still not sure how to handle things. Just know I love you, and so did your dad. End quote. And of course, Lori's stepsons have a ton of questions, and they began asking what happened and, like, what's going on. And Lori leaves them basically undelivered for three hours. She doesn't respond. So one of the sons finally cracks and sends a text saying, quote, you can't just tell us our dad died and disappear. It's been three hours. You're not that busy. I don't care what you're doing, end quote. And of course, Lori had a response, which was, quote, I'm sorry you're so upset. I'm upset too. I'm waiting to hear back from the medical examiner to make sense out of all of this myself. Please be patient with me. It's a crushing situation all around, end quote. Which she's saying she needs to contact the medical examiner. And there is no reason for that because they know why Charles died. So there's no medical examiner needed. And then Lori contacts JJ's school saying that he'll miss several days because his dad died, rightfully so. But her story to the school is that Charles died of suicide. So we now have three different stories. After Colby returned home and his wife found out that Lori had lied about what happened to Charles, 
the two decided right away to cut ties with Colby's family. Kelsey Ryan kept saying that after this whole situation, she just didn't feel safe around them. She knew something was fishy. And so she was like, I never want to see them again, basically. And then three days after Charles's passing, Lori called on behalf of his life insurance. She called the agency and she found out that she was no longer the primary beneficiary and had lost her rights to his million dollar policy. And this change in the beneficiary had been made within months of Charles passing. So it was like just a couple months before. And a few weeks after this, Lori began telling her family members that people were out to get her and that she needed to run. Lori then calls Colby and tells him that her and the kids were moving. She doesn't tell them where, she just says they're moving somewhere cold. And she said that they would be back every couple of weeks to visit. So Colby went to say goodbye to his family. And when he did, Tylee was sobbing and was hardly able to form a sentence. She didn't say where they were going or why. And then Lori's mom, so Tylee's grandma, also stopped by as they were packing up about to leave. And she said that Tylee just looked really upset. And so she was like, Tylee, are you okay? And Tylee just starts sobbing and hugs her grandma. And the grandma is asking, like, what's going on, Tylee? And she was like, nothing. I'm fine. I just needed to cry, basically. So everyone knows it's a little suspicious, and even Tylee is kind of feeling on edge about it. So after the move, Colby rightfully missed his family a lot, but around the same time, Colby and his wife Kelsey had their first child, a little daughter named Riley. And they were prioritizing their new little family, so Lori and Tylee and JJ, the siblings, they kind of took a bit of a back seat. But regardless of this, Colby still texted Tylee all the time. He wanted to remind her that he loved her and missed her. And he never noticed anything weird with her texts until her birthday. On September 24th, he sent her this text. Quote, Ty Ty, happy birthday. I'm so, so proud of you. I know you have been through so much most people never go through in their entire life. You keep pushing. Trust God. It's all going to be not just okay, but amazing. I love you and happy birthday, end quote. Tylee's response was simply, quote, thanks, Kolbs, I love you, end quote. And the text was written in all lowercase, which Colby knew right away that's not how Tylee texted. Like, you, you know when you're texting someone, they're, like, being really dry for some reason. You're like, something's either wrong or this is not them, like, you know. And so Colby knew this didn't sound like Tylee, so he continued texting her, and got kind of the same dry and weird feeling texts. So the first thing he did was call his mom. And he asked her how Tylee was doing. And Lori started acting weird right away and just kept saying that Tylee was trying to move on with her new life and make new friends. But they had just moved, so I don't think her moving on is necessarily a valid response to that question. Then Colby decided to just call out Tylee over text. So he told her that the text just didn't sound like her and that the punctuation and writing style was totally different than what it normally was. So he said, quote, why don't you just call me and talk to me, end quote. And this is when the text from Tylee completely stopped. 
When Colby and Kelsey tried to reach Lori again, her phone was conveniently turned off. So, Colby and Kelsey knew something was up, and they decided to start doing their own digging. Starting with all of the emails that Charles had sent before he died. Colby and Kelsey hadn't read the emails at the time because they just believed he did cheat on Lori like she claimed, and that he was the guilty man trying to cover up what he had done. So they didn't want to be part of the family drama, but then they decided after all of this happened, it was time they looked into it. So they found an email that shifted their entire view. It was a forwarded email to Lori that Charles had copied and sent to the whole family. It was a list of every single family member and all of their friends. Everyone on the list was labeled as either a dark or a light spirit. Kelsey read through the email and saw that she was labeled as a three dark spirit. It's basically labeled on the list as 3D, which means three dark spirit, like a level three dark spirit. And then if you're labeled with an L, you're a light spirit. So basically you're like safe. And then she keeps looking on the list and finds that Tylee is listed as a 4.1 level dark spirit. This is when Colby and Kelsey look and see who the email was originally from, a man named Chad Daybell. They began researching who Chad Daybell was because at this point, Colby and Kelsey have no idea who he is. And they found out that he believed there were 20,000 zombies. And zombies are essentially people whose bodies have been taken over by a demon. And the only way to get rid of a zombie is to kill their physical body to release their spirit, basically. So a friend of Chad Daybell recalls the last time she saw him. She asked about his wife, Tammy. And when she did, she said that Chad's eyes glazed over and he kind of started zoning a little bit. And then he said he had had a vision that Tammy was driving his truck and ran into a pole off the road. So we'll get back to that interaction in a second. But just days before this interaction, Tammy Daybell was out in her front yard when a man with a ski mask showed up and shot at her. And thankfully he missed, but Tammy rightfully immediately screamed for Chad. So Chad runs from the backyard and acted as shocked as she was. And now back to this friend's interaction with Chad. She said during their conversation, all of a sudden Chad leans in and says, quote, I just don't think I can move forward with my plan until the spouses are dead, end quote. On October 19th, 2019, Tammy Daybell dies. She was a healthy woman in her 40s, and she died in her home. It was declared as just natural causes at this point. Meanwhile, happening in a totally other state, Kay Woodcock is worried about her grandson, JJ. And reminder, Kay is Charles's sister, and she is JJ's grandmother, and they are the ones who gave JJ to Lori and Charles because they wanted him to have a younger family to grow up with. So Kay is worried about JJ because she can't get a hold of Lori and she hasn't talked to JJ in over two months. And the last time she did talk to him was just a 30 second FaceTime call, which didn't really like satisfy her in that sense. So Kay decided to call the police and tell them what's happening. She also logged into Charles's Amazon Amazon account and sees that a Malachite ring has recently been purchased basically looks like a black men's wedding ring. 
And at this point, Charles had been dead for months, so Kay assumes that maybe Lori had ordered it in his name. But conveniently with Amazon, they come with shipping addresses. So they find the shipping address in Rexburg, Idaho, and police go straight there. The significance with Rexburg, Idaho, according to Chad Daybell, is basically that's where he thinks in the end times, that's where all of the like good people or the ones that aren't zombies are going to ascend to heaven from. Like He thinks that's going to be the holy place. So, yeah. So police go straight to Rexburg, Idaho, and when they show up at the address, Lori doesn't answer the door, but Alex did. And standing next to him was Chad Daybell. When police asked to see JJ, Alex told them he was staying with his grandmother, Kay Woodcock, which police knew was not true because Kay had just called them. So police then asked where they could find Lori, and Alex told them that she was in apartment 103, which was her niece's apartment named Melanie. So Alex, Melanie, Chad, and Lori all moved to Rexburg, Idaho at the same time, and they all conveniently lived in the same apartment complex. Police finally get a hold of Lori, and she told them that JJ was actually with her friend in Arizona, but police can't get a hold of this friend either. Here's a phone call between Lori and her friend named Melanie. Well, I was wondering why you told the police why he was with me. I just needed to have somebody that I, so I wouldn't have to tell them where he really was because they were going to tell Kay where he is. Yeah. Is JJ safe? He is safe and happy. I'm just worried for you guys because, you know, he's missing and, you know. I know exactly where he is. He's perfectly fine. I don't know what your intention is on this phone call, well, but with all my heart, and I have forever, and well, I will always see you. I appreciate those words, but if you really loved me, you wouldn't have told the police that I had Jeju with me. That's not, that's not what a friend does. I did exactly what I felt the Lord was instructing me to do. So this phone call is obviously one that is frustrating because she basically isn't has no idea what's happening she's like lori why would you tell the police that jj is with me when he's not and lori just keeps saying i love you so much and she's like a friend wouldn't do that even if she loved me so yeah that's what's happening there and then the next day police get a search warrant and go back to lori's house which in this case a search warrant is not super hard to obtain because anytime a child is possibly in danger, it's very easy to get a warrant. So they get that warrant pretty quick and they go back to Lori's house. They find the house is empty and Lori, Alex, Chad, and the kids are nowhere to be found. This is when two detectives show up to ask Colby and Kelsey if they know where Tylee and JJ are. And Colby is obviously very disturbed by the question, so he calls Lori and she just says that she'll explain everything soon, doesn't, she kind of just brushes it off. This is when this case became national news. The story of the two missing kids went viral, and reporters were constantly showing up to Colby's house. In his response, he started a YouTube channel and made videos reaching out to his mom to try and get the kids back home. Here's a clip from one of those videos. I want you to show them and step up 
and just do the right thing. And that's what I've been praying for. And that's all I want right now. That's all I want is to see the kids and for this situation to have some type of closure. After the case of the two missing children went viral, people began questioning Tammy Daybell's death as well and wondering if maybe there was foul play involved. So the police decided to exhume Tammy's body and examine it more. And if you don't know what exhuming a body is, it's basically when after someone dies, if they think there's maybe further cause for investigation, they will actually take the body out of the ground. So they'll basically unbury her, examine the body, and then they'll rebury her again. So they exhume her body on December 11th, 2019. And just the day after, on December 12th, 2019, Lori's brother, Alex Cox, dies. A 911 call was made from Alex's girlfriend's son saying that Alex had passed out on the ground and he just wouldn't wake up. So he collapsed, essentially. And when Alex's parents called the mortuary to find out how he really died, they told him that Alex had blood clots in his lungs and that his death was totally natural. And in further information from Alex's mother, she said that this was something that did run in their family, so it wasn't totally unheard of. So his death is natural. And then Lori's family found out that she had married Chad in Hawaii in November. So she had been keeping it a secret for months. On January 3rd, 2020, Chad Daybell was served a search warrant for his home he shared with Tammy to try and determine the true cause of Tammy Daybell's death. During this search, 43 items were seized, such as journals and various electronic devices. But during the search, Chad and Lori were not home. They were in Kauai, Hawaii, which is where Lori and Charles lived for a little bit with their kids. And they were handed a court order when they were pulled over in Kauai. They told them that they had to present the kids to the court by the end of that week on a Thursday or else they would be arrested. But when Lori never revealed any additional info about the children, she was arrested and brought back to Arizona to appear in court. And that is kind of where this episode ends off. So she is brought back to Arizona, basically to begin questioning for where her kids are. And obviously this case just has a ton of twists and turns and it only gets crazier from here. So of course we will bring you guys episode three next week. Hopefully I get this whole not loading thing, not saving thing figured out so we don't have to re-record for you guys. But as always, you can follow us on Instagram at pod.theuglytruth. Send us an email at pod.theuglytruth at gmail.com. And we also have a Facebook page now as well that I believe you should be able to pull up just by looking up The Ugly Truth. And yeah, thanks again for listening. We will talk to you guys next week. Bye-bye.